Welcome to the Warning Track Power Hour. I'm Andrew Scaff. He's Mike Werman. Today, again, the Royals are still going to be in our third block, I think. Uh, and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get to some NFL offseason news. Uh, and we'll, But we'll begin today's episode uh, with the NBA and NHL playoffs uh, reaching uh, the finals now. We had a couple of sweeps and then a couple what looked like sweeps became interesting series. Mm-hmm. Mike, what's your what's your preferred series do you like the sweeps do you like the back and forth fights like what one team wins a game or will they all hold at home and then that or do you or do you like this like getting up 3-0 then almost losing before closing out a series what's your preferred i like i like a little bit of a narrative at least um where there's you know if, if it's a team that i support i want i want it to be as painless as possible so i would support yeah. a sweep like when the royals were playing in the playoffs and they were sweeping. That was the ideal because it yeah. it didn't. You know, each individual game is, you know, stressful to watch as a fan. And yes. you you want each game. You want each game. If you are a fan of that team, to be as, um, as you know, as as you know, as non dramatic as possible. And so you want a blowout win each time. And you'd rather have them win every game. I think. Um, yeah. If you're a, like a neutral. Uh, you know, you want exciting games and then you want an exciting series with those games. So in the NHL, it seemed like we had exciting games individually, but for a while, the same team was winning each of games. So the series did not end very well. Sometimes you get like really lame games individually, but the series turns out to be good. Like, you know, it's trading blowout for blowout. I don't yeah. really like those. those. I guess those are slightly better, but like, I think as a watcher, you want each individual game. If, you, if you're not a devotee of one side or another, you want each individual game to be compelling. Yeah. And so I think... The, so did you get that from, say, the NBA? NBA series. somewhat. At least game six, you got that. A lot of the other yeah. games were not that close. Um, I guess game six was the most, in some ways, the most important, or it seemed the most important at the time. And Boston... Um, miraculously kind of won that game well they had, they had like a 10 point lead with four minutes to go somewhere yeah there. and they, they were shooting miraculously so- blew their lead mm-hmm. ended up behind with three seconds left and then needed a miracle to win and and got it yeah they were shooting so terribly and yeah. i think I, I had read that boston's worst three-point shooting night was game six and they won and their second worst three-point shooting night all season was game seven which they lost yeah. badly and so like they somehow managed to win when they were really shooting poorly but that was probably because also jason tatum was healthy that game he got injured yeah. very very early on in uh game seven and he twisted his ankle like in the yeah first minute or something like that even and and the game was never quite the same but the, yeah the, but boston was could have maybe been in it but they shot so terribly from three-point range yeah. and um that's, that's what, like how about that the... that final play though where the the ball you know um that marcus smart shoots you know rattles in and happens to bounce you know right in the same mm-hmm. on the same side of the court um that uh you know the players able to tip it back in had it gone the other way rattled in and gone the other way yeah it was a game you know, of just, it was, no chance right yeah it reminded me a little bit of 
you know, the old footage from um, the NC State Dick, Dick, uh, Jimmy Jim Valvano National Championship when yeah. the guy shot from long range and then it was Lorenzo Charles who like uh like it wasn't supposed to be an alley oop type play but yeah he, he turned it into an alley oop yeah uh, because it was short but if that ball had hit the rim he would not have had a chance to <laughs> to do that so like sometimes those those are just lucky um yeah. plays and just the way the ball um bounced and yeah and, and the Celtics were I think lucky to get the game um seven but then yeah they they played really poorly they had some injury misfortune and yeah um, yeah and I don't know if I would have rather has if I were a Celtics fan if I would rather have had the team just lose uh in four or five rather than yeah. like get your hopes up that they're going to win in seven but yeah. I guess as a fan you also want to say well they showed heart and grit and you know, yeah, they, you don't want to get slapped if you don't have the series. to get slapped. But yeah, the, coming all the way back just to lose is seemingly extra mm-hmm. disappointing, though, right? Mm-hmm. And you had some of that with the Dallas Stars um, and Vegas, Las Vegas Golden Knights series, but there was only two games. And then, yeah, kind of like game seven in the NBA, but even more so, uh, game six was a drubbing six to nothing. Uh, Las Vegas, so that wasn't you know that that was not um, uh, even you know remotely dramatic, uh, even if you were. Did you find wanting... it interesting that that the um, you know Dallas won the two games, but their captain was missing for right? He was uh, suspended for two games for a pretty awful cross check, mm-hmm. And uh, the two games that he missed were the ones that they won. Is that? And then he was back for game six, which they lost. So yeah, Jamie. What does that? Uh, what does that say for the team? I when they guess, win, when their captain is out, but lose when their captain is present. Is that? Strange? I guess they were. Well, they were. Their backs were against the wall mm. when JB Ben was out. So maybe you could say, well, they won it for him, inspired by him from the sidelines. Maybe. But then when he came back, I guess they were no longer fighting for their lives, they thought, maybe, and they just were more complacent. Curious through to the end himself. I, I think hockey is just one maybe. of those things where games are kind of random, and you just hope to uh, be on the right side because, um, yeah, the in this one, the, the Knights the Knights were up um, six, 3 nothing at the end of the first period, so it wasn't particularly close. And, yeah. Um, and it just stayed that way. So I, I, yeah, I, I don't know if you could. It, it, it doesn't look great if you're the captain and your team plays better without you. But you could yeah. say, well, at least maybe there are some mitigating circumstances or explanatory kind of events that uh, take place. Like you know the, you know Notre Dame winning one for the Gipper is you know it's it's not taken usually as a sign that uh, George Gipp sucked and the team was better with out him but without, that they yes. played an inspired game even though he was out and perhaps won so you know that's a yes. I, I guess that's that's what you want to say if, if you're Jamie Ben uh, the yeah uh, captain of the Dallas Stars right <laughs> well, so um, now the finals are set yeah in the NBA we've got Miami facing off against a, w- a very well rested Denver Nuggets mm-hmm. team. Will the uh, time off 
be a blessing or or uh, will it be rust? Will it be rusty coming out in game one for the NBA? Final? I I think they might be a little rusty, but I think the Heat will also be very tired. So like I think that might cancel out and it won't really matter. But I think as time goes on um, in the series, the the rest for uh, Denver will be uh, kind of will will we'll, we'll come will sort of you will be able to see it and they'll be fresher as will outweigh the, the rest will outweigh the rust. I think so. And also I think Denver's a better team. And I don't think Denver yeah. it seems like the way Denver, you know, buzzed through the Lakers and you know, took care been of hot business. the entire second half of the season and and yeah. uh not didn't put up a fight basically in that series. Yeah. And Jokic Yoke, is the best player left in the uh left in the even better than I think Jimmy Butler's great, but I think I think Jokic um is a little better and you supporting know, I, I, cast seems to be stronger and yeah they were yeah, they were they were number one seed for a reason and i think the heat i guess were number eight seed for a reason and it wasn't all just like injury luck so mm-hmm. but the heat are a good team and who knows because they're like you had yeah. like you said a couple weeks ago the playoff heat is a different team than the regular season heat and they've been great since listen or, or they've had really good teams most of the time since pat riley has been there 20 when did he leave to go? When did he, when did he leave New York to come to the Heat? Like in 2000, 2001, something like that. They've been, they've had a pretty good team, and then they had the Shaq, the Shaq uh, teams, and Dwayne Wade teams were good. And then when Shaq, right. left, uh, LeBron came, and they were good. And then yeah, they've had some good teams in the last few years too, with uh, Butler and some other um, guys who weren't necessarily big name players, but they've still had some good teams with uh, Spolster. He's been the coach for. A while now too. He's, he's the end of the LeBron era there, right? Yeah. Has he been around as long as is he is he the other than Popovich, is he the longest tenured NBA oh, he coach? Might be. That might be right. That seems surprising, but yeah, it probably is though. It seems I mean it seems like even teams that like win titles are frequently mm-hmm. replacing their coaches within two, three seasons. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, so Popovich has been since with the Spurs since 1996. I guess he was a midseason replacement. Spolster has been with the Heat since 2008. Third is Steve Kerr with the Warriors since 2014. So okay, that's six years though. That's not mm-hmm. yeah. And apparently, Michael Malone, the Nuggets coach, has been there since 2015. So he's the fourth longest tenured coach. The second and the fourth most long, fourth longest tenured uh, coaches are. Uh, in the finals, and I guess you would say the Spurs and the Warriors. I guess you know. I guess there's a correlation between long tenured coaches and success because you wouldn't keep that coach around a long time if they if they weren't successful. But also, you could say, well, maybe the long term, you know, the the stability at coaching, the coaching level can be, um, you know, a positive thing for teams too. You don't want to just change every now and again. Um, yeah, but. Yeah, this is uh yeah, so I, I, I like I don't know, I Spolster is a great coach. I think the Heat are a very good organization, but I think this is probably the Nuggets time. And if the Nuggets had played, you know, a healthy Milwaukee Bucks or you know, maybe if Philadelphia or Boston had played better in the playoffs, you know, I would say it might be closer, but um I I think I would guess 
Yeah, I, I think the Nuggets are going to win. I don't know how many games. I don't think it'll go seven. I just pulled up the uh, the uh, Vegas odds. Uh, Denver is favored uh, minus 400 right now to win the series. Uh, what would you guess the um, the odds are? What do you think the odds are pointed to as what the what the final number of games will be? So Denver, they expect Denver to win pretty handily. I'd say five how games. Many games? I'm gonna guess five. Five games is the lowest, you know, the lowest margin anyway. Yeah. Plus two sixty five for four to one. Mm-hmm. Four to three is second. Four zero is actually third. Four two mm-hmm. is fourth, and then I would I would say it's gonna be four one or four two. I don't. I I think those would be the top yeah. my top two. I don't think a I think a seventh game. I guess a sweep is possible, but I would say um, just because I think Miami at home has a it's a long it's a long way to travel, mm. and you know especially if if I think Miami might steal a game, yeah, at some point, and if that happens, you know it's gonna it's gonna extend the series. I, I I don't I don't see it as a I, I, a sweep, but it could be, um, yeah. Miami so if, you're, if you're taking odds on these, would would you go take the uh, the four to one? I would take the four to one. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I, I I don't think Miami will roll over in the way that the Lakers did. Yeah, even if even with well, the, LeBron, the Lakers didn't play badly in all of the games, and they had they were in a couple of games despite not playing super well. But they were they there were a couple like two of the games were like very close anyway yeah that's true they weren't able to break it through enough no, to, to hold on I, but i i think also you can point to the fact that the heat won game 7 of the boston series so handily even oh, though yeah, like yeah. you could say that well their confidence is probably shaken especially after two straight you know three straight losses including one where they probably should have won but lost it in kind of dramatic fashion at the end yeah. So it's, but I think I think well I think Spolster is a better coach than, um, you know the, uh than than Darvin Ham is for the Lakers. So it's, I remember when Darvin Ham was a player. You? Uh no no not really. I remember his name because it was kind of funny. Hmm. Uh Ham, but Ham. Yeah, he played for Texas Tech as a. As a college player, I, re- I remember that he played for the Pistons a little bit. Um, but he bounced around and was not a was not like a great player. But I remember, I remember, um, I remember the name because his name was Ham, <laughs> and that was funny. I thought, but uh, it's all the John Ham stuff and carries over like the uh, Saturday Night Live. John Ham's John Ham. I remember you really enjoyed that that uh, commercial. I didn't find it as as funny, but uh, it was right. it was it was something that was right up your uh, scatological alley. My that's my the basis for my humor, right? Yes, <laughs> but no, John. Yeah, I like John Hamm, but um, the, the actor, not the product, and uh, and yeah, but you know, I remember I, I just remember Darvin Hamm like playing these age. Uh, like in high school, but it's yeah. I, I I think I like Denver um against my. It's we have two um South Florida teams, two Miami area teams 
in the finals, do you think um, the Panthers have a better shot against Vegas than um, the uh, than Miami has against Denver? So it, it, there are so many parallels between the two leagues, semi-final, conference finals, and then the matchups for the finals, right? It's um, an eight seed versus a one seed again, mm-hmm. as in both, in both. Right. And the, uh, but in this case, the eight seed swept in the NHL, where the eight seed struggled in the NBA, but made it mm-hmm. to the finals. Right. Yes. Well, Florida's won all their games. Right. Is that right? Um, no, they lost a couple in the first round. They, um, they lost, they, they were down. Oh, they, they lost, um, Three to Boston. To Boston right? They oh, were down three one to Boston. Oh, that's right. To Boston, that's yeah. And they won three straight. Then they won four out of five against Toronto. Well, they, they did swept. drop one. Okay. And then they swept. Um. Yeah, they uh. Uh, they 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 swept the Hurricanes. I think Vegas. They were a one seed, but I think I were they the overall two because the way that NHL does it is weird because they have two ones in each conference. Um, yeah. But Vegas never really had to worry too much. They won their first series against the Jets four one. No, actually, I think they were an maybe one overall because they played the wild card two. So that's probably means they were the number one overall. I think you were right. Uh, then they beat the Oilers four two, which, which I thought the Oilers were maybe a really solid team because they had Connor McDavid. And then they beat um, the Dallas Stars four two. So like. They never had to play a decisive, deciding game, and yeah. you know, I guess I guess you could say the Las Vegas. I mean, uh, the Florida Panthers did have to play that game against Boston, and so Boston's mm-hmm. lost two, lost uh, both uh, in the NBA and NHL in games seven uh, at home. Yes, against a Miami-based team that they were seated higher than uh right. a one and eight a one eight basically um yep. matchup so that was at least i guess at least or i guess boston the celtics were two eight so it was like two were they two or three i think they were two um yeah they were the two yeah two two eight versus one eight but similar yeah, it's kind of an interesting parallel um yeah what do, what do you think of the nhl uh, uh the stanley cup finals do you like the Golden Knights' chances, or do you like the Panthers? Well, I guess either way, we're getting a first-time Stanley Cup champion. Because I think neither franchise has won one before, mm-hmm. so there's no there's no um, edge there for like who you you would want to win. Yeah, you might say um, that maybe an edge would be for the Las Vegas Golden Knights. There's probably a few players that were on the 2018 Stanley. Yeah, it wasn't Cup that long ago that they were Five there. Years ago. It's a lot of time in hockey. Um, uh, but on uh, uh, on the on the team, but yeah, it was like, um, you know, that was when, uh, when like you know Theo uh, Theo Fleury was the uh, the goalkeeper. He was hot, former former like heroic goalkeeper for goaltender for uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins when they won back to back and I think it, uh uh Stanley Cups mm-hmm. and um 
and you know they had they had some really uh Marco's Mike not Taylor Flurry, Mike Mark Andre Flurry. I don't know why I said Taylor Flurry. Flurry, yeah. He was a, a different uh uh hockey player. Yeah. Um, yeah, he played for the uh he was a uh a, a wing a, offensive player, uh, right winger. But yeah, uh Mark Mark Andre uh Flurry and he was uh their starter and he's now on uh I think he's he's bounced around. He was on the um Knights for a few years, but I think he's on the on the Minnesota Wild now. Hmm. But, um yeah, so like so I think they probably have quite they probably have a few players, but I would imagine yeah. their roster is quite a bit different after five years. Yeah. And that was their first year as an ex, as an expansion team that they were there. Yeah. But like I think the Florida Panthers they haven't been to the Stanley Cup Finals since like the early '90s, so probably most of their players weren't even born when uh, the Panthers were in the Stanley Cup. So I would I would guess the slight edge of experience would go to Vegas, and I don't know if that helps or not. Yeah. Um, it seems like the Panthers have beaten the best teams, and right, and so. And it seems like maybe they're maybe they're just uh, you know um, destined to win this. They've won a lot of very close games too, so you you'd think that that can't keep up forever, right? Like the yeah, I think it's, it's, what is it like? They've won their last nine one goal game. Yeah, they're like the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, yeah, uh, twenty twenty two Minnesota Vikings of basically uh, the NHL. And they're all um, in the playoffs too. I think all those all those one goal games are in the those nine are in the playoffs, and I think they've won all nine of those one goal differential games, which seems absolutely crazy. I was trying yeah. to pull up what the uh, odds were. So do, you, do you, so? do you have a favorite in the series? Um. They're both warm weather teams and they're both relatively new teams. So this is, you know, not your favorite matchup. It's not my favorite matchup. I don't really have a rooting interest. I would, I'm, I guess I would want, I don't, it sounds weird, but I guess I want the, I would want the Panthers to win because I think they've beaten the best teams and I think the East was maybe a little stronger than the West and, and they beat Boston. So the Boston was the best team. So yeah, uh, maybe, maybe it's them, but I don't really care. I don't really care about the NBA finals either. I I have a better feeling that I think Denver's a better team. And so yeah. Denver's going to win that one, but I've been wrong on pretty much every series, especially the NHL um, so far. And I think you have missed them all. Yeah, so whoever you did not take, whatever I take. take, So I guess I guess I've sort of taken. I've said all I was trying to do there was get you to pick who you were going to take, and then I was going to take. I guess I I guess I guarantee. Yeah, I guess I've taken Panthers in the NHL. Great, I wanted to take Vegas anyway, but I wanted you to take it first, so I wasn't going to steal your. Okay, so Panthers, and then I I think you probably will pick the Nuggets too. I would guess, even though I picked the Nuggets, because I think I I would I would have taken the Nuggets in five. But if you're taking Nuggets in five, maybe I'll take the Nuggets as a sweep then, just to Ooh, just to bold. be different. But I don't think Miami's going to win though. So 
Yeah, I think I think Miami's going to be out of gas at this point because they played in the play-in tournament as well. And yeah. it's not like they just won the first game too because that would, if they had just won the first game in the play-in, they would have been in the seventh seed. And here they, you know, they had to play at least two two more games. So they've right. played many more games in the playoffs now than uh, Denver has. So yeah. Um, How many games for the NHL though? What do you what are you saying there? I'll go seven. I'll go seven games. Why not? Why not? I'll say I'll say six then, just to be different. Then okay. But I think we. So you're you're gonna you're gonna take Florida in seven. I've got Vegas in six. Yeah. Okay. That sounds fine. And so Denver. So like in the terms of the number of games, so I guess if you include the play-in tournament, Miami has played. They played two games in the play-in tournament. They lost to Atlanta, and then they beat. I don't remember who they beat. Beat it. But um, they played five. They played five against Milwaukee. That was their easiest series. Yeah, they've played six against the Knicks and seven against the Celtics. Um, Seven plus six, thirteen plus five, eighteen. They played twenty games already in the playoffs, which Uh, is a quarter season. Yeah, Denver beat Minnesota in five, Phoenix in two, Lakers in one. So they played fifteen games. Um, and you know they played five fewer games over, th- and so and they have had longer. And they've, rest. Had, the, and they've had the last full week off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you might say, well, maybe the long rest doesn't hurt teams as much as it used to because more NBA teams rest players during the season, and they miss games uh, just to kind of rest rather like so. You know, maybe they're more used to playing on longer rest even so i don't know i i guess we're both we both like Denver, but um yeah i think the altitude is also a factor and i think it's especially a factor against the sea level eastern team yeah it could be do you know do you know where the is is the series starting out in miami or is it starting out in Denver? that i don't know but i can find out very quickly here Game one is Thursday night, seven thirty Central, in Denver. Yeah. And the NHL starts Saturday night in Vegas. Okay. So yeah. And just if you're curious, the Vegas odds. In the NHL finals, Vegas is a slight favorite, minus 125 for the series. Uh, your selection of Florida in seven is the fourth best odds, plus 550. My Golden Knights in six is the third best odds, plus 500. So they're okay. pretty even. Yeah. And you want Golden Knights you... in, in seven is the highest, best odds, I guess, or worst odds, mm-hmm. whichever way you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. Lowest odds. And a Panthers in six is the second one, if you're curious. Interesting. Panthers in six. Okay. Yeah, so they, you would so think they, they, they flip back and forth. As you to... would think it would be Knights in seven, Panthers in seven, if they're both there and then lower. Yeah. But that's interesting. And you, and you also wonder are the Vegas, are the, are the Golden Knights odds 
skewed because they play in Vegas. So like they probably get more hometown bets on them. And you would guess that hometown people are going to bet for their hometown team rather than against their hometown team. So like, is it in, I don't know that I don't, I, I, they probably, I would guess you know, because the odds are made based on you know how many people bet on which one, and they try to even yeah. it in terms of money usually. But I, you wonder if um, I would guess the casinos know how to do it in Vegas, especially after having six. You know, this is their sixth year or something there, so like they know how to make yeah. the money um, and and entice enough people to bet on the nights, especially if they're going to win and maybe lessen their uh, hit. I mean, I mean, if they're going to lose, and then lessen their hit if the Knights win. So, yeah, could be. And I guess they'll, I guess they'll do that with the Raiders too, probably. Although um, you might say, possibly the A's starting in just a few years, right? There you go. Yeah. You're back. Yeah, possibly. Okay, you were frozen on me. Yeah, possibly the yeah. A's. Yeah. Since my internet connection's unstable, I don't know, mm-hmm. but yeah, possibly the A's. Um, but also, I, I had I have heard um, listening to like Vegas um, radio broadcasts and things like that. Some of the teams that are bet the most often in Vegas for them to win are not surprisingly probably the Los Angeles teams because it's not that far away. Yeah, but um, apparently, like the Chicago teams are heavily bet by Vegas. Really. You know, so like the Bears to win things, like those odds are like if you like you pick Bears to win like Super Bowl or whatever, those odds are generally kind of naturally depressed from what they should be, because oh. so many I guess guys from Chicago come in and uh, lay bets on their on team the Bears to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and, um, yeah, you know, probably. Uh, who's the yeah, so like the Bears to win the Super Bowl is six thousand on FanDuel, which is not based in Vegas, but the Vegas places so BetMGM and Caesars are plus five thousand, so like it's yeah. lower. Um, but like the Cardinals are plus twenty thousand, the Texans are plus eighteen thousand at different places. So like, I would say the Bears should be down low with those teams probably yeah there's no reason to think the bears have a three times better chance to win the super bowl than i think the texans or like the colts or titans you know any of those teams um really i don't think right it just seems like the bears odds are as good as yeah they're kind of middle of the pack really so the bears have better odds than the rams do for instance even though the rams are kind of a shell of themselves don't you think the Rams are still a better team than the Bears? You would think. If Stafford's healthy? Yeah. Um, you know, they, they have Cooper Cup healthy again. I, I think he's going to be healthy at the beginning of the season, right? So, I, I it, it's – and they have Aaron Donald still. Like, yeah. And so, like – Yeah, so their defense should still be – Should be pretty good. good. I guess Jalen Ramsey's yeah. gone, but – yeah. But um, yeah, I, I yeah I I think that Chicago sports betters because of the because of their super fan kind of nature as maybe that was why they were parodied 
uh, in the way that they were uh, in the 80s and 90s by the super fans, um, Bill and Bob Swirsky and the company that, um, yeah, I think the bear, so I, I so if you want to, I, I would guess probably don't bet, don't bet on the bears who win the Super yeah. Bowl in Vegas. You can probably find better odds elsewhere or maybe never in maybe, general. Maybe you get better odds to bet against the bears then though, right? If yeah, I think, I think that's true too. So yeah. Like if there's an individual game or something like that, bet it go against the Bears because the spread might be slightly artificially high towards yeah. the uh, the money that the Bears fans are putting on them. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's 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 my oh, that's uh, uh, my two cents anyway. Well, I was hoping that mentioning the A's would be able to lead into a comment that I heard on. Uh, PTI this week from the about about how poorly attended the A's games are was there apparently someone had said that they had to quit using the um wrist um pitch selector that the catchers use because the earpiece that the pitchers use is apparently loud enough that it could be heard by the batter because the fan noise is so quiet oh really that like even the you know tiny sound that gets played into the pitcher's ear as to what the pitch call is from the catcher. Okay, that the batter could hear that. Is it a word that they hear, or is it a tone I'm not sure. that they hear? They said they had to quit using it because it was apparently audible enough because the stands are so empty, completely that it, empty. Wow, it's so quiet there that even that even that maybe could they, be heard on the field. Maybe they could pump in like ambient white noise or something. <laughs> they might have to. Which you know, like, like you can't do crowd noise and stuff like the like the Astros and the Twins used to do, but right maybe maybe you could just do a kind of sea breeze or something like that. That's yeah. crazy. So like their attendance has been even worse than uh, the Royals. I believe so. Um, let's see the attendance by game. Yeah, they have eight thousand eight hundred and eighty-seven fans. Per game this That's year, so even the not very good. The yeah, Royals look. attendance in twenty twenty three. Uh, they've had four hundred forty three thousand fans so far. Attendance per game fifteen thousand two ninety two. Interesting. Their atten- their attendance per game is actually higher than it was in twenty twenty one. Though I think that probably was because of uh covid restrictions maybe oh probably yeah uh the in the royals were ninth out of 15 in 2021 with a 14,316 cents but i think also that's probably because kansas city had more lax restrictions than other places that especially probably early in the season um the the royals are averaging about 500 fewer fans than they did last year it looks like uh oakland had Three, four different games of attendance was under three thousand. Wow! Total people, and one game was only two thousand sixty-four. Monday, Ooh. May fifteenth, only two thousand sixty-four fans in attendance. Was that an afternoon game? You think, or a? It was a Monday night game against right. the the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Royals have been their lowest. 
Actually, the lowest attended Royals game this year was Royals at no, uh, it was the Royals home against the White Sox on on a Monday night. They have nine thousand eight hundred fourteen. Uh, they had one more fan for the lowest road game, and that was at the Diamondbacks, 9,815. So, like, that's really – that's funny. Um, they had One person so, difference? Yes. One person, yeah. Um, the Royals at the Cardinals. Um, they, did, they, they, did they lose both of those games? Um, the Royals at the White Sox, the 9,000 one. Uh, they won that one 12-5. Oh. And they lost 5-4 to four against the um, – Diamondbacks in the other under 10,000. Wow. It would be interesting to see if the Royals played better with fewer eyes on them or yeah, if, they, all, if, they, if they shrink uh, in the spotlight or if they um, play better um, with the fans. But uh, their biggest attendance game so far this year. Looks like it um, was uh, yesterday. Yesterday, yeah, it looks like it's a little higher. They had some high ones against the Angels and against Padres, but of course those were in California. And this one, um, the the Royals at the Cardinals, forty five thousand nine hundred eleven saw the Royals almost no hit the Cardinals. So that was almost perfect game against the Cardinals. They had a perfect game going into the seven, eighth inning, seven full perfect innings, and. Uh, they still won a two two hit shutout, but that's the that's probably by far the best game the Royals have had. I guess com- combining pitching and hitting, and they won, but they lost again. They lost tonight two to one, so now they're down to seventeen and thirty nine on the season. Yes, not so good. So to get to so seventeen and thirty nine, that is um, they've played fifty six games they have 106 games left we talked about uh them trying to finish 500 they uh at the, uh or trying to finish uh with 70 wins this year they would have to go um would have to go 53 and 50 uh 50, 53 and 53 they have to be 500 uh, finish with 70 wins and I think they had to be 55 and 57 uh, to finish with 70 wins last week so now they've lost some of that pace and so now yeah. they have to finish they have to be 500 the rest of the year to finish 70 wins and I don't, I don't think they can do that unless they get a near perfect game every game yeah they, they have been playing more competitive recently they did change the lineup quite a bit they've uh, moved Bobby Witt Jr. down in the lineup to the four spot. And that seems to have helped with like production a little bit. Uh, yeah. The pitching rotations are pretty bad, with the exception of that one game that uh, they used an opener for, actually. Stalmont opened the near-perfect game. And then Ma- yeah, Mike Myers opener six shutout innings before giving up two hits. Six perfect innings before giving up two hits at the top of the eighth. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the Royals' um, schedule and the games that they've played. When was the last time the Royals lost a game by more than five runs? What is your... By five runs or more. Let's say five runs or more. 
was it's the last been time a while. Was the they, five runs in one. they haven't been getting blown out. They've gotten behind a bunch of times by a lot and then scored like um earlier this week they lost to the Nationals twelve to ten. But I think mm-hmm. they were behind like ten to two in that game and they came back yeah. and made it very close. And they tend to have been doing that. I don't remember when the last time they would have lost by five runs. It has to have been quite several weeks, I think. Yeah, you're right. You're right. April 27th, they lost to the Twins 7-1. to one. Hmm. And so that was their and last that's... time they've lost by more than five runs. They've won um, several games by more than five runs since then. They've won one, two, three, Four, yeah, four. They've won four by five runs since then, and they lost by more than five runs um, several times before that. Uh, so they lost, and they've they've been getting shut out less frequently. So they narrowly avoided being shut out tonight. Yeah, they lost. They had lost six games through April twenty seventh by five runs or more. So the first three weeks of the season, they lost six games, and they lost like you know multiple games in a row sometimes by blowout scores. Yeah, so yeah, they really are playing more competitive baseball since. Well, I think a, a lot of what the difference has been is I think they came out in the season like acting like it was still spring training, and they didn't have like a solidified lineup. They didn't seem like they knew mm-hmm. who they wanted to have be the starting pitchers or what the order of the bullpen was. They're just guys were coming out sort of random orders and in the lineup and out of the bullpen. So it seems like they've solidified it a little more. They may have been one of the only teams that had been that undefined mm-hmm. in the first month of the season. And it seems like they were really punished for it that. Yeah, it seems like they're just about below they've just been kind of a below average team the last month or so. And they mm-hmm. were a terrible, terrible team. And we thought probably they would just be a, a below average team maybe the whole year. Uh so maybe you could say, well, maybe they're due to become an average team at some point. Will that be fast enough to even make the record to avoid 100 losses this year? It doesn't really seem like it, but who knows? Or to give them a shot at the uh, over-under of, was it 68 and a half wins for the season? So I guess they need to go 52 and 54 uh, to get to 69 wins. I think Fangraph still has them at projected at a 65 win season, which isn't terribly far off of, of that. 65 and 97. At least it wouldn't be 100 losses. I think that's yeah. the same record they had last year, isn't it? Were they, were they 65 and 97? That I can find out here in just a second. Yes, they were. 98. Nope, 65 and 97. Their Pythagorean last year was 64 and 98. That's huh. a little throw one. Yeah, so that was... Um. Yeah, so... Do you see... Potrero as being, if the Royals continue to be terrible, could he be fired after one season? I don't think so, unless he, unless like the players actively don't like him, which I don't know that I've not heard anything about anything like that. So I would think he probably has at least two seasons before, you know, being really pressured, at least anyway, to move on what do you think yeah I, I i tend to agree i don't think maybe if they lose 115 games that might be something yeah but short of 
think short they, of a historically bad season. I don't see it. Yeah, but I mean, but is but it, do you think um Oakland being in some ways? Yeah, uh, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, do you think that Oakland being like so much seemingly worse than the Royals gives the Royals more leeway with Quatrero? I think it's a little cover, yeah, because they're not the worst team. Um, another player, one somebody that you've been really um, not happy with lately, or this this whole season, maybe forever. It's been a long time since you've been happy with this player, but Nicky Lopez has been playing pretty well. Yeah, uh, over last the last week. of the last month, he is now up to batting two sixty two with a three eighty five on base percentage. An OPS plus of 111, so he's an above average player for his position. He was a he's a former All Star, uh, right? National team uh, star. He's uh, worth almost one full WAR this season already. I think a lot of that is, is since the, since he's come back from the injured list, his appendectomy. They have been using him more sparingly, more defensive replacement usage more pinch runner usage and less starting and the times he has started he's been down in the lineup where where he should be and but he's drawing walks and he's actually getting hits too so that's a a very nice change to see if he plays like that he should be in the lineup as often as he continues to play that well so really good for him right yeah, yeah, the yeah. team is is using him more appropriately, so it's like they they can play him a little more if he's playing well. If he's not playing well, he shouldn't be playing very much, right? Yeah, well, he is a star. It seemed like Italian they were forcing his usage team. to be high, even though he was providing nothing offensively at all. So yeah, he's been he's been a kind of platoon player or a kind of uh, utility player. He's played some third, he played, played some second. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think not having him start, for example, at shortstop is a good thing or yeah. really at second base. But I guess um, you, may, you maybe you worry about, well, can he actually be much worse than Bobby Witt has been? Witt has hit, hit for power, but he doesn't ever get on base. If he doesn't hit a home run, he's been um, pretty – Bad. Is it? Do you think the Royals yeah, are going to? What's his on base percentage been this season versus average? Uh, Bobby Witt's batting average is two thirty two. His on base is two seventy, which is actually higher for him than sometimes it has been. Yeah, uh, that's not but, great. Yeah, his his OPS plus is is ninety two, so it's not that far from average. I guess Massey yeah. has been worse for a second baseman. Um, although his average batting average is, is higher and his on base percentage is also higher than Bobby Wood, but his slugging is a lot lower. Um, Ma- Massey has the potential for some home runs. He hit one yesterday, actually. So, yeah, he's got he's four, four on uh, the season now, which is Wood has 10. Yeah. Um, Nick Prado has been good since he's been called up, yeah. And they've and now he's hitting in the uh, one spot in the lineup, too, which I think is a seemingly a more appropriate place for him to be hitting. And that's a very sabermetric kind of place to hit him, which is probably unusual for the Royals. Although maybe they, I think maybe they hit Hosmer leadoff every once in a while back then. Um, but like the first baseman as a leadoff when, hitter is... When they were using is, him there, it was not the right 
place mm-hmm. at the time because he, yeah. he was there he would drive in runs and the eight nine guys weren't getting on base for him to drive in so usually you want yeah your best ops guy your best um on base percentage to lead off mm-hmm. and they have finally shifted to that now because they were using bobby witt in the in the one spot and his his um on base percentage is not very high yeah which just the fast guy he's good at stealing bases but which is also something you t- traditionally want as a leadoff hitter but right. if you can't get on base it doesn't matter um but he's That's got 16 stolen bases already this year yep. which um is and he, he actually uh, stole one in the ninth inning today so he's probably actually 17 now okay i think um he's uh yeah he's late i guess he is um actually 10 games 10 10 behind uh estuary ruiz of oakland has 27 stolen bases already this season that's a lot for a really bad team (laughs) yeah um Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I hadn't really, I haven't really followed the leaders very much because I tend to only really look at the leaders if the Royals might have a guy among the leaders. Yeah, and it's not. Um, uh, yeah, it's not usually the Royals when, when this sort of. Yeah, when they're when they're playing so so terribly, right. So the Royals, uh, right? Yeah, you're right now. So so Bobby Witt is third in the American League in steals. Um, Wander Franco is second with 19, and really? uh, Ruiz, the story Ruiz is 27, and then it's kind of some close people. Hmm. Royals basically have no guys. In the top ten and anything else, uh, uh, Sal- Salvi is uh, tied for sixth in home runs with twelve. Okay, yeah. In the American in the American League, I'm just looking at the American League stats. Sure, yeah. Um, since that's what we usually traditionally use in baseball. Yeah, I haven't seen. Um, so if actually if Lopez um gets enough bats to qualify for the batting title, he would be a top. 10 in on base percentage, as would Nick Prado. Um, in plate appearances, Bobby Witt is tied for seventh in the American League, which is not maybe what you want. At bats, he is number two, actually, because he doesn't ever walk. He has 224 at bats. Dante Bichette, or Bo Bichette, uh, Dante Bichette's son. Yes. Dante Bichette's son is leading the league but he also has 78 hits so he's on so he doesn't walk anymore per at bat than Witt does because his bomb base percentage is only 376 but his batting average is 338 so like it's really close together but if you have not 376 on base percentage is really good but if you have a 338 batting average you would say well you should be way over 400 probably as a base percentage because the way pitchers would pitch you and things like that but um uh Bubashet, uh seems like he's never met a pitch that he did not like, uh, and yeah. he 
has 78 hits already in 54 wow. games. So that would be so multiply 54 times three is 162. So he'd have 234 hits that on the season if he's at that pace. That is Ichiro like in terms of yeah. number of hits. What is, um, what is the uh, single season hit record? Is it? I'm, I want to say, okay, so it is. It's got to be um, Ichiro though, right? It is Ichiro. Oh, I was right. I was going to say, I want to say it was George Sizzler, but Ichiro beat George Sizzler. Um, so Ichiro had 262 hits in 2004. George Sizzler was the previous holder. He had 257 hits in 1920. Wow. He had five fewer hits in 70 fewer plate appearances than Ichiro. He had a fantastic year in 1920. Um, let's look at his... Uh, he was playing for the St. Louis Browns then. I had, I had heard of George Sizzler, but I would never have guessed that he played most of his career for the St. Louis Browns. Really? Uh, uh, yeah, I just didn't associate him with a particular team. That's probably why. He had, in 1920, he had a 407 batting average. He did not lead the league in batting that year. Really? <laughs> he led the league in total bases with 399. 19 home runs, 122 RBIs, 18 triples, 49 doubles, 257 hits. That is a lot. Um, I'm looking at the players. Um, so who do you think led the, well, it says that George Sizzler led the league. Maybe he only led the American, maybe he only led the American league in batting average. Uh, yeah. Tris speaker was second in the, in the, uh, AL 388. Well, I guess he did lead the league. He did lead the league in 407. Never mind. I was uh, Baseball reference confused me for a second. Um, yeah, it was bold, so he won. Yeah, he did lead the league in 407. Roger yeah, Sportsview led the National League at 370 batting average. So, yeah, he won won the batting title by a lot. Yeah, he had a 420 batting average two years later. But his yeah. lot, George Sizzler's lifetime batting average was 340. Wow. <laughs> And that included several like later years where he was lower, but he still he um his last season he was three three oh nine uh at age thirty-seven. So he was a great here. He didn't walk a lot. Um four oh seven batting average, four forty nine on base percentage, but he has six thirty two So he was yeah, he was a, a really good player in the kind of the tail end of the dead ball era, beginning of the home run. Era, but he was not a home run guy. But yeah, so uh, I guess Dante. So so what we're gonna say? Uh, Two hundred thirty-four hits was uh, what Dante. I mean Dante Bichette's son. I always call him Dante Bichette Junior. But he's Bo Bichette. Yes. Um, like Boba Fett. Boba Bichette. Yes. For his pace right now. Two hundred thirty-four pace. Actually, he'd be tied for twenty-seventh all time. Not as high as I thought. Tied with it's still Kirby an impressive Puckett. season, though. Yeah, still an impressive season. Tied with Kirby Puckett 
1988, and Lloyd Wayner, one of the Wayner brothers who played for uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates for many years, Paul and Lloyd Wayner. I think both of them are in the Hall of Fame. And that was, that was his 1929 season. Just ahead of Shoeless Joe Jackson, who had 233 hits in 1911. So. But yeah, it's all these old-timey guys um, that are down there. Plus, an occasional you'll get, um, there's a Don Mattingly, Rod Carew, um, Wade Boggs, kind of interestingly enough. Wade Boggs had 240 hits in 1985. Um, he batted 368, and he had a 450 on base percentage, so that's pretty good. Um, yeah. It looks like all the post-2000 are Ichiro, like three yeah. times. Yeah, Ichiro. 238, 238, 242, and 262. Yeah, 262 hits that year. Wow. Yeah. 2004. So that was his – he batted 372 that year. Batting average, uh, he won the batting title. Ichiro's batting average was 311, uh, but it's only that low because he bat, he played so long after – so he batted 300 every year until his age 30, through his age 36 season. Yeah. Um, 315. And then he kind of dropped off beginning at age 37. But, then he bumped back up in his age 40 season. And his age 42 season was back up to 291. Yeah. <laughs> it's, in, it's in, yeah, he was a remarkable. Remarkable player. He had uh, three thousand, over three thousand hits in the majors, and had well over a thousand plus in the uh, Japanese league. So he has, in in terms of professional professional baseball at its highest level, he uh, has surpassed uh, Rose, who had four thousand two hundred fifty six hits, I think. And I, I don't know what Ichiro's hit total was, including the Japanese league. Uh, total with Japan forty three sixty seven. 4367. Yeah, 1278 hits in Japan. Okay. In his uh looks like nine seasons in Japan. Uh so Ichiro, I think, is the only is he the only player to finish his first to, to win. Rookie of the Year and MVP in the same season? Well, the Rookie of the Year wasn't a stat. It wasn't an award until relatively recently, right? 70s or yeah. so? Uh, well, Jackie Robinson won with Rookie of the Year, so it's been around for a while. That may have been like the first year of it, though, right? Or was it awards? Let's see. Where's the awards? I almost want to say that was the first year of the uh, of the rookie of the year. Yeah, it was. You're right. It was, that was 1947. That's George, that's oh, but that right. was that was 40s. Uh, that was further back than I was thinking too, though. Yeah, that was uh, Robinson's rookie year. Yeah, and so they used to only have, I think, um, rookie of the year for. The league or something. The league, but then by 1949, they had 
um, separated it. So I think Cy Young might have been only for the whole majors as well. For, for majors, I think that's right. But yeah, so Becky Robinson, Rookie of the Year, 1947. Um, but yeah, that's probably it's got. I'm pretty sure that's the only. Um, Fred Lynn, 1975, probably came close. Fred Lynn had a remarkable uh, career in these like set in his seven in the seventies. Oh, Fred Lynn was rookie of the year and MVP in 1975. I was right. Okay. Um he was great through like age 30 or 31, and then he fell off. Um it has only been it has only happened twice. Rookie of the year and MVP. So Fred Lynn and Ichiro. Fred Lynn, 75, Ichiro, 2001. Yeah. Um, it looks each... like there's only one player has won Cy Young in Rookie of the Year in the same year. Who was that? Oof. I want to say Fernando Valenzuela. That is correct. Yes. I was going to say Dwight Gooden, but then I thought, no, I think it's the second year. Uh, Fernando Valenzuela. He was a sensation when he started. What was that? What was that? I'm going to look at Valenzuela. He might have been almost MVP that year, too. He was a huge uh, superstar. Whirlwind success, right? He was in, it was fifth in the MVP in 1981. He, he only won 13 games. But he was 13 and 7, 2.48 ERA. Oh, there was a, it was a strike shortened year, 1981. Uh, so there weren't that many games played. So that's why he, that's why he won the that's why he won the Cy Young with only thirteen games because that was a that was when you had to like win all these games. It didn't matter what your ERA, ERA was or your other stats. If you led the league in wins, usually you won the won the Cy Young unless it was like you know crazily apparent that the other guy who won like one fewer game had like a two point ERA lower than uh, than you. Um, in, in that year, but, Valenzuela. Did not lead the league in wins. Tom Seaver did. Seaver was fourteen and two. Valenzuela was thirteen and seven. But Valenzuela had a slightly better ERA. Hmm, that's interesting. That Seaver. I guess it was just the Valenzuela had a lot more. He had almost a hundred more strikeouts. Valenzuela had one hundred eighty strikeouts to lead the league. Yeah. Yeah. So that the strikeout numbers must have. Must have done it. Actually, pushed him over the top because that must have been it. Must have been really close though. And oh, yeah, it was only three points. The voting was only three point difference, seventy to sixty seven, for the voting. Yeah, Cy Young that in eighty one. Yeah, yeah. I guess um, Roundswell it says has eleven complete games. Seaver only six, eight shutouts for Fernando, only one for Tom Seaver. So that probably did it too. Um. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. But anyway, that's baseball. Should we should we move on to? Yeah. So I was going to say the Royals have a, a really weird schedule this week, though, because they have two back they back to back off days for Wednesday, Thursday this week. Uh, that is play three games against Colorado and Kansas City, and then they play. Uh, let's see what they've got. A couple games before our next episode. 
Uh, and that would be against, who is it? I lost it. I went back too far. Um, schedule. There we go. Colorado. And then uh, uh, the, again, Miami. Miami. In Miami. Well, yeah. we, may, we may have, um, you know, five games before our next episode. But that's really strange that they have two days off two days in off. a row. Yeah. Very strange. And it's not like a rain out or something. And it's not mm-hmm. the all-star break. And Scheduled. I don't back-to-back off days i don't remember that, that i don't happen. think i've ever seen I've, i can't ever yeah. remember that um but maybe you know more you know games against teams that aren't leading their divisions where do you think the royals will be when we meet next five games three against colorado and kansas city two games on the road in miami um well apparently the marlins they, they've been winning games mm. but like we said their their run differential is not very good so i think the royals could win one out of two against the marlins i think they'll probably win let's I, i'm gonna be very optimistic i'll say the royals are gonna be three and two and so they'll be nice. they'll have 20 wins by the time we get uh to next week the next episode of the warning track yeah. power yes Yes. Sounds good. Let's go for that. Okay. Um, so should we should we move on to the uh, uh, to the NFL our final uh, segment of uh, the the week? Probably the biggest news uh, in the NFL was that the Cardinals finally released. Or I think they're scheduled to release. I think maybe they have to do it on June first because of the year and stuff. Um, but uh, salary cap things. But they're going to release DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, the star wide receiver who they tried to trade because I, it seems like the Cardinals are maybe in a rebuilding situation, even if they aren't quite saying they're rebuilding uh, under um, their new uh, uh, new head coach, the former um, uh, Philadelphia right. Eagles uh, head coach, Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, uh, who was uh, – Got the job before the Super Bowl, and then probably after the Super Bowl, the uh, the Cardinals would have said, "Oh, maybe we didn't. Maybe we should have given the job to somebody else." Uh, <laughs> uh, but Jonathan Gannon, um, new coach, and they're becoming more defensive minded, I guess, which is kind of stupid, but that's what they want to do. And um, so they're getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins. They wanted to get you know, like a draft pick for him. The Chiefs apparently were in close, semi close negotiations with him. Uh, according to a new, recent uh, Sports Illustrated article by Albert Breer, but um, when Odell Beckham signed his contract with the Ravens, which was essentially to, as an enticement for Lamar Jackson to come back to the Ravens, and it seemed like it worked, but Odell Beckham got like $15 million a year guaranteed rather than these contracts like the Chiefs have been offering. Yeah. Like for Juju, it was like, oh, you can get like $3 million guaranteed and we'll give you up to $10 million if, there, if you do uh, incentives. Right. And um, so... That didn't end up happening, but maybe Beckham will come around. Although the Chiefs have signed Donovan Smith since then, some other people they're they're right up next to the cap. So um, it seems like the Chiefs and the Bills are the two teams that are kind of Super Bowl real contenders that are possibilities for Hopkins. And then there's some other teams maybe that will give him more money, but are only sort of outside Fringe contenders, maybe yeah, or outside contenders like. 
yeah. Cleveland or Detroit, Green Bay, maybe. We even oh Dallas, I guess you could say sort of, but yeah, I think Dallas and the Jets are probably the two that would be fringiest of the uh, that mm-hmm. you would that you would think he would be considering more mm-hmm. closely if they're interested in trying to sign him. That is too right. So the Jets have brought in so many receivers this year, and to partly to entice Aaron Rodgers, partly mm-hmm. to keep Aaron Rodgers happy once he got here. But it seems like they can't bring in too many more people since they've they still have since... cap room somehow, though, apparently. So, yeah, um, I guess they have a fairly young team, they've been anyway, but or they did until they started pulling all these guys in, right, from outside. Yes, and well, you know how like Rodgers doesn't tend to work very well with new receivers, uh, it yeah. takes some years, it seems like, to develop any sort of chemistry with uh, somebody, and sometimes it never happens, uh, yeah, and. I, yeah, I, I I don't see him going to the Jets. Although it's New yeah. York, you might think, well, and I guess I could see Dallas more easily because the other than that's kind of where I think he'll end up. Is my guess at least anyway. Dallas doesn't have a lot of because they've given away a lot of their talented wide receivers straight lately because of cap issues and things like that. So yeah, um, Mark Cooper's gone. Um, you know, the other guys who they've had recently are gone, but um, yeah, I can see Dallas. I guess I haven't heard Dallas's name mentioned very much, which I would, yeah, uh, I'm was, surprised that they haven't talked about him as much there. At least, that, that I've heard the line, likely spot, yeah, I've heard the Lions a bit, so that might be uh, what, a team, what but... about the what about the Raiders, Mike? What do you think about <laughs> think you going, think you're gonna be heading to the Raiders to work with Garoppolo? Well, if he's heading to the Raiders, he might not be working with Garoppolo, given the uh, contract details that have been leaked recently that Garoppolo did not take a physical to sign with the Raiders. It was waived because of his foot injury, but he has to like pass a physical before he can play for the Raiders. And if he doesn't, he doesn't get any money and the Raiders don't have a quarterback. And does Tom Brady have to step in because he's trying to own the Raiders now? Who knows what uh, will happen with uh, the Jimmy G situation. There's got to be some other kind of fringe. I don't think. Th- I don't think it was actually like they didn't. They didn't actually just like waive the physical. Like he signed a waiver that, um, basically he, the team wouldn't be liable for any of his contract if yeah if an injury causes an issue to get worse, him, I guess, right? But I think he has yeah. to pass a physical before he can play. Mm. But they waived the physical when they signed the contract, so they said, "Well, we'll let it." ride to later or whatever i guess yeah but like and then, and then he apparently just had a foot surgery i guess too like mm-hmm. maybe somewhat surprisingly to the team even yeah um and so what do you think so let's assuming garoppolo uh so he didn't yeah he didn't have it during the season he had it after when because he was hurt during the season i guess he wanted maybe to play in the super bowl or something is that maybe why because it maybe. seemed like he was angling at that but um he broke his foot or something and uh he signed this waiver in place of place of a physical and so if they don't take garoppolo what do you do if you're the raiders i guess carson wentz is still available do you do you do you you sign carson wentz is he the And and i mean it's really potentially damaging to the team if they didn't know about this you know they could possibly have tried to get someone else in free agency or add somebody in the draft 
that could be a potential replacement or you know at least prioritize it more heavily to get a you know a quarterback prospect yeah but uh yeah now it's getting very difficult for the team to like you know do anything about yeah you know not having a qb1 basically at, right know, right up. now brian hoyer is the only nfl experienced quarterback on the roster aiden o'connell from purdue i think he was a fourth round draft pick this year um is also on the roster so um, Jared Stidham is gone. Their car, of course, has gone to New Orleans. So they don't have really Hoyer, I guess, is a whole is a New England like like uh Garoppolo is an old New England guy, which is what I guess um Josh McDaniels wants. So maybe that's mm. why you think uh Tom Brady will come in. But yeah, I don't yeah, it's 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 uh it seems like getting Garoppolo and signing him for such a big deal, which was I think they paid Garoppolo more than what New Orleans has paid Carr, and I don't think even when they're healthy, I don't think there's really a difference between those two quarterbacks. If anything, I might yeah. rather have Carr than Garoppolo, and especially if Garoppolo's injury is causing problems, why are we paying so much for him? It, it's it just seems like the you know Raiders gonna Raider, I guess, right? Is that yeah? It's not looking promising right now for them. Is that is that why you think um, Tom Brady's coming in as a part owner to? lend some sanity to the well it seemed like that may be maybe they were just trying to get him associated with the organization and then seeing if they could bring him back in to the field even too right and it seems like the rest of the league is not potentially happy with that scenario and may not allow him to become an owner if he has any you know intent on playing in any way i think also if it becomes an owner he has to get unanimous legal p- approval to play. So, like, there's like a two-step process. They have to approve him to become a part owner, and then if and then if he wanted to play again, I think every team would have to um, agree to it. Agree, yeah. Which is kind of silly, but like, and I, that seems like something that would never come up. Like, why is that even in the bylaws? Like, why does it matter? Like, why do is it just to prevent like some egomaniacal owner from saying? I want to play quarterback for my team because I'm because I'm the owner. I should be able to play whenever I want. And maybe maybe this is my team. As maybe maybe it's to protect them from you know, you know, some Elon Musk type owner. Well, there I think some of the rules that you know have been made, especially in the NBA, were made to protect the owners from themselves in some way by you know making the one and done rule for for college basketball. Mm-hmm was I think more or less to keep owners from spending a fortune on guys that weren't ready to play in the NBA or might take four or five years before they're able to, you know, have any return on the investment for the number one pick kind of thing. Yeah. I I think it was basically, I think it was more or less to protect owners from themselves than to actually like improve the quality of play in the league. So yeah, I, I think it's maybe it, it's it was, the same thing here in the NFL with the uh, it was to like yeah, prevent giving these huge contracts to people that weren't making yeah, it was like to save money basically. Yeah. Until I guess give them a one year kind of um audition period in college or Europe or something. Yeah, I think yeah. you I think you're right about the um saving them from themselves because there were so many like high school players that were picked that were not, mm-hmm. not out. It's a little like baseball when they pick all these high school guys and it's a very low um rate 
of of return, at least compared to, to college kids. Although the, the ones that hit are probably higher than than you know their 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 ceiling is higher than most of the uh, college guys. Like you know, LeBron, like when LeBron came out, mm. well, you know, you know he's going to be great. And you know, Kevin Durant, I think he came out was it the year after had to go one year. He was a year younger, I think, than um, yeah, LeBron. But he had to go to college an additional year, and then come out the next year. So, like, but like, yeah. you would, you know, I guess you might not have known how good Durant was. He would have been an, like a lottery pick probably, but he wouldn't. I don't think he would have been the number one pick if he hadn't gone probably not. to college. Um, yeah, I think that was at the same year Carmelo Anthony came out too. No, Carmelo was the. Uh, he was in LeBron's draft. With Carmelo Wade. was LeBron's year. He had gone to he yeah. went to college there for a year at Syracuse. Yeah, um, yeah he and, it was Dwayne Wade. I think was in that year too. Yeah, Wayne Wade yeah. was like a junior, I think, or se- junior in college or senior maybe. And yeah, maybe Carmelo, even a senior. Yeah, Carmelo was the freshman. They he because he won national championship with Syracuse. Syracuse uh, yeah. His freshman year uh, was Wade in Kansas. Marquette. Oh, Dwayne Wade played at Marquette. Yeah. 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 They played for Marquette, and they made the Final Four that year. I think we're close to it. Um, they were a good team, but anyway, yeah, I it's it's odd that the Raiders are doing some of these things that they're doing, despite you know it seems like they aren't learning from a lot of their past mistakes, where they're just kind of well, they've always been the kind of doing that they're doing their own thing, and sometimes and for a long time that really worked for them, but now. Maybe the last twenty years, at least, it hasn't worked uh, for them. Well, they I, been... I think they chose a very stupid coach, though. Anyway, so it's yeah, McDaniel's. You, you thought McDaniel's was the worst hire, worse maybe worse than Hackett, even. Mm. Yeah, because at least Hackett, you didn't know that mm-hmm. he, you know, already had a, in you know, an unproductive head coaching stint, which we already saw from McDaniel's. In the and you know the in the Raiders saw it, you know from the same division, mm-hmm. so they you know they would have played against him when he was in Denver, right? So yeah, maybe they, they think know that that he's not the guy to go. Well, he's going to be better because I don't the understand it. Around, you know, even Belichick had a bad first start with the Browns, and he became good with the Patriots. But I I I I, I think it was a bad hire too. But let, I, let somebody else take that chance, though. Why why are you yeah. why do you want to take that chance? And maybe. Better organization than any of the other AFC West teams besides the Chiefs, and the fact that they got rid of their coach that wasn't very good, rather than kind of holding on to their mm. not very good coach until he really, really definitively proves he's not very good. Like it seems yeah. like um, you know Daniels was the wrong hire anyway that he should have been gone uh, after because they went to the playoffs the year before under their interim kind of special teams coach. And, you know, when Gruden, you know, with all the Gruden craziness, still were 10 and 7. And then um, you could say, well, Brandon Staley in uh, the ch- in Los Angeles, the chart for the Chargers also kind of proved that he was maybe not up for the job because, well, they, they the Chargers blew that huge lead uh, to Jacksonville in the first round. And everybody thought, well, if because when we were watching the game, I think I told you, well, when when the Chargers were up 27 to nothing, I thought, well, it looks like. Brandon Staley has saved his job because they're so far ahead. But then he lost because we thought if they lost that game, he's going to lose his job. But then he was so far ahead. Then he lost in that spectacular fashion 
Yeah. And he kept his job. And that was after he played some of his starters for a long time in a meaningless game in week 18, where Mike Williams, who's always on the, you know, needs to be kind of wrapped in bubble wrap. Uh, he, if not playing or if playing even, and he got hurt and some other guys got hurt and like Justin Herbert's a great quarterback. They have great weapons everywhere. You know, they should be a perennial playoff team that should have challenged the chiefs. You know, they play well against the chiefs. No, even if they lose slightly, but they don't play well against bad teams a lot of the time. So like, yeah, you know, it seems like the chargers probably should have gotten a new coach. They, They decided to get a new offensive coordinator. Um, Ellen Moore when like which wasn't didn't wasn't the problem in that game at least anyway right I mean they did score a lot early right and then it was the and, defense giving up all the run all the you know all the uh, all the points to lose the game right and I don't really think of Dallas as having a wonderful prolific offense I guess it's decent but like it's not like Eric Bieniemy's offenses have been better than Ellen Moore's offenses or yeah. Know, you know, I guess Brian Dable already went got a new job. Like you know, the, you could find hype flying offensive coordinators maybe that were better than Kellen Moore, but I guess um, I don't know. It was you know, it, it's it's what they decide, and it's maybe why the division is has been won so many years in a row now by the Chiefs. Mm. Not just because the Chiefs are really good, but the other teams have been pretty bad. And yeah. Or like made you, questionable you, moves, or you worry about well, and in some in some ways, if you have Mahomes, you can kind of make up for some of those questionable moves. For most teams, probably trading Tyreek Hill away was not a very good idea, but you know you have Mahomes who can, you know, uh, turn spin straw into gold. But with even with Russell Wilson or somebody like that, you might not be able to do that, um, or Justin Herbert, or who knows, but. Um, yeah, I guess the, so. We'll see what we'll see what happens with the, with the Broncos. We talked be, before we went on the air. Uh, Russell Wilson is in the best shape of his life. He has lost weight. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa has gained weight, according so as not to get concussed anymore. Um, also in the best shape of his life. Also, perhaps in the best shape because he's been lifting right. weights. So um, I'm going to ask you this question: Who is more likely to have a better season in which they? play essentially the whole season mm. so uh, so like okay so, so russell wilson or tua man that's so tough because you you'd think it yeah quarterback if you're actually like dropping weight you'd almost be afraid of being injured more often and the gaining weight you know maybe he's not quite as quick even and maybe he's not going to avoid quite as many hits for tua man i don't know I wouldn't want to take either of these. That's really, but you'd think that Russell Wilson can't have that bad of a season again. This is the is what I'd have to assume, though. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, we also had a little two when he was healthy. He did so well, but also he has Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, uh, and a lot of. He just has to stay on the field. Is really what it is, and he'll have an okay season, right? Yeah. But can he uh, stay on the field? That and I don't. I don't know that you can. You know, make that bet if you even wanted to, right? Yeah, it's. I, I just I wanted to ask you just because it was a uh, a, a a choice that was did not have 
appealing options. Uh. You think maybe neither of them going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so I guess you could say, well, maybe. It, so if if one of the quarterbacks went down, I guess maybe you think the Dolphins would do better because now they have Mike White as their backup, and uh, yeah. who for the and who had a pretty good season when he was healthy for the Jets, but. Um, you know, they still have, you know, the um, the Dolphins have a lot of uh, talent offensively. Mm-hmm. I think more than the Broncos do. Yeah. But, but you just, you can't imagine really that, that uh, you know, Russell Wilson would be that, that'd be that big of a drop off from, you know, leaving Seattle to Denver. That was just a just a massive drop off, though. And, well, he's getting older, and maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Coaching maybe has something to do with it. Coaching, I'm know. sure, has something to do with Play it. Calling. Also, I think Wilson's um, rubbing his teammates the wrong way, and the general atmosphere in Denver that seems to maybe be curtailed a little bit by um, Sean Payton now. Maybe that will help Wilson play better, but maybe it will it. Maybe Wilson will be upset that he's not allowed to do some of these things and he won't uh, play perhaps as well as he could. I don't know. It's hard to say. You think he won't be allowed to do high knees on airplanes? <laughs> uh, he might not be allowed to talk about it as much. I don't know. I, I it's, <laughs> Do it. Just don't talk about it. He's still a kind of... He's still a very kind of prickly... Um, not friendly kind of guy whose personality is strange and seems to be crafted by other people as much as it is him. Oh, do you think he just has a different persona for the public than he has in reality? No, I think, I think that's his real. I think, I think his personality when he interacts with anybody is influenced by like his by Sia or by his like entourage or something like he thinks he has to be this other person and I don't yeah, know if he yeah. has I don't know if he has any genuine interactions with any other human being Ciara um, was that her yeah Ciara yeah. right yeah Ciara yeah, yeah. Ciara not Sia Ciara yeah another yeah um now Ciara. we're into pop culture side of things so yeah another um um yeah, a singer. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, she is a singer, songwriter, businesswoman, dancer, model, and actress. And Russell Wilson's wife. Russell Wilson's wife. But she has like nine jobs. Wow. That's uh, a lot of jobs. It is a lot of jobs. And <laughs> yeah, uh, the more jobs you have in it for a person like that is means that you're a better. Sort of the, you know, how many jobs Kim Kardashian has when she probably has, you know, doesn't need to have any jobs to do just as well. But uh, by hustling and doing all these things, that makes her a uh, a yes. better person and a role model that people should follow, and all these things, which is kind of silly because these people, you know, make money for not really producing anything of value to anybody. But because they had money to begin with, they could make more money, and then they can say, well, it's my work ethic that got me. Right. Where, um, it's not my... Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I guess CR probably didn't come from uh, wealth like uh, Kardashian. 
Um, she's no idea. Married into wealth uh, with Russell Wilson, and I don't know that she's. Uh, she hasn't really done. I don't know. She hasn't really been a singer uh, for a while. It seems like, um, in terms of albums, I or I don't know any of her songs though, so I don't. That doesn't. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything. That's not necessarily my genre. So it's not mine either. I'm I'm looking at her right now. Um, I don't feel like just being mean to her, but like she had uh, some top five singles from 2004 and two in 2006. There were some hits that had like Missy Elliott on them and Diddy Scent and Chameleonaire and Justin Timberlake, but hmm. yeah. So um, yeah, so she was a, a popular music star for a while um yeah in the, in the aughts and maybe into the early uh, teens anyway um we, mm. we've, maybe we've reached the end of our uh nfl discussion since we're now we're, we're discussing players wives and yes uh pop music contributions from artists that we don't really know who they are mm. or listen to their music so we have no real um expertise in which to at least pretend to have episode here yeah 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 all right uh on that note uh we will uh, be back next week uh with another exciting uh warning track our hour and we will talk about the royals talk about the nba finals nhl finals which should be well underway uh a week from now and we'll see if uh, any uh, big nfl news or any other sporting news uh, has happened. I guess the Belmont Stakes is going to come up in a couple in a week or two. So that maybe maybe we'll talk about that, or there's something. I'm sure something will happen. And uh, you know, French Open. I don't know. Uh, there, yeah, that, that's going on, right? I think it's just is started. It? Yeah, uh, Rafael Nadal is out, but uh, of this oh. French Open uh, because he's hurt, but he's going to play next year, and it's going to be his last one. Oh, okay. Heard. So and Federer is retired. Only Djokovic is where left, but he's yeah on the downslope of his career as well. So we're entering a new kind of world of men's tennis. Um, I haven't followed the women's game hmm. quite as but um, we can talk about that next week if we want, or just talk about our normal topics. Either way, uh, you listeners are in for a treat, even if it's not, even if you're not in for a surprise. So uh, until next week, I am Dr. Michael Warren. He is Dr. Andrew Scaff. We are the Warning Track Power Hour. Please like and subscribe to our little podcast slash YouTube channel. And we appreciate uh, your viewership or listenership. And we'll see you next week. Uh, and, until, and until then, we wish you a good day.